The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leave Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Talkin' Buds Leaf Show, your favorite no BS Toronto Maple Leafs podcast. We take pride in that. Yeah, we do. We tell it like it is. And we don't mince words, and we don't deal in hypotheticals. No, we don't deal with weird numbers that don't make any sense, and we just like to tell the truth. And we drink beers on the pod. Yes. Is that is that offside? Is that wrong? I think, I don't know. It's like is that is that unprofessional? I'm sure, I don't think it is. I'm sure there's somebody out there who would be like, you know, if you ever want to be taken seriously, you should probably. Not. Yeah, but that those pod. are the those are the people that don't don't even know what this. Those podcast are the people is. who go on. Those are the people who go who have their own podcast and go on and just don't give any opinions. They just talk about facts, just daily news, just and daily just news. Basically, repeat everything we already know. But we're gonna talk about some daily. news. After chirping, yeah, we, we put our own spin on it, though. Yeah, after chirping, everyone, we're going to sit and talk about some daily news. So, since we last convened, the Leafs lost at home to the Pittsburgh Penguins, won on Hockey Night in Canada against the Vancouver Canucks, and then won on the road in Pittsburgh. Matt Murray makes his return in Pittsburgh, 37 saves, two goals allowed, 946 save percentage. A, a, a good outing. He made a couple really nice, like 10 bellers, as far as I'm concerned, to keep them in the game, especially when uh, Pittsburgh came back and made it 3 2. But with Matt Murray, it's all about s- sustainability and it's all about that's awesome, but build off this. Like, I think everybody's going to lose their minds if we find out tomorrow he's, he's injured his groin or something. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, though, I one thing I will say about watching Matt Murray play against Pittsburgh, I I felt way more comfortable with a not 100% Matt Murray than I do with Eric Shalgren. No offense to Eric Shalgren, probably a nice young man. He's probably he, he a played nice, pretty well. He's played pretty kind well. young man. But if you look at just the obvious numbers that us not number guys look at when it comes to goaltending, he's... He's a below-average goaltender who, who's a fringe NHLer at best. So when Matt Murray draws into the game against Pittsburgh, at the end of the day, he allows two goals. That That's all you really need from your goaltender. I don't care how it happens. At the end of the day, you, you allow two goals. You're good in my books. And I just felt more comfortable with him in the net. But like what you said, buddy, you got to stay healthy, my guy. Like, like you, can't, you can't be on the shelf again. This team needs you. This team needs goaltending health. Like, all around. Well, it's actually kind of interesting because, you know, going into the season, they're supposed to be this tandem, and then Murray gets hurt 30 seconds into the season, and Samsonov takes the ball and kind of runs with it. Now Samsonov is is on the shelf, not for anything long-term, but I do think this is going to be an opportunity for um, Matt Murray to take the ball and run with it here. Like, they've got... Jersey coming up this week, and then they've got Buffalo on Saturday. I expect Matt Murray to be the starting goaltender in both of those games. Yeah, and play well, and then play and look look good. And I feel like before the season started, we kind of 
forecasted that each guy would take his turn with the ball. Like that that's kind of, I feel like everybody kind of had that take and so far it's playing out that way and and I feel like if Matt Murray goes on a bit of a run here like we're just going to it's going to be a little back and forth little shuffle game between the two goaltenders whatever one's healthy and whatever one's playing better. Which is which when you think about it Kyle Dubas going out and getting these two guys like it it may like in hindsight it makes a lot of sense because it was the, two- but it but that's hindsight being 2020 because it was the most criticized thing about the yeah, I didn't season. I didn't criticize it though. That's I don't true. I, did, I, I did not criticize that's it. I, to me it made all the sense in the world. What what the hell were you going to do? But that that's an old conversation. It's just going out and getting two capable goaltenders, not exactly studs, one guy who has a great history and pedigree but can't stay healthy, another guy who also has an unreal pedigree but just hasn't shown it yet and and when one guy goes down, the other guy steps up and can give you some NHL goaltending. So I think overall now that Matt Murray's back and in the mix, it the decision looks pretty decent right now. If they can if they can just play good, if they can just be okay, just be good, just be decent. You don't need to win the Vesna. Just just be solid. Take turns being solid goaltenders that this team can rely on. Then it, it's it's worked out so far. It has, and we should tip our hat to Kyle Dubas because you know what? A lot of people give him a lot of grief, us included, but. Ilya Samsonov played really well, and Murray looked pretty good in Pittsburgh. So let's hope that, uh, like I said, for all intents and purposes, he's going to be the starting goaltender in New- uh, against the the Devils. I'm pretty sure they're at home against New Jersey, and then at home against Buffalo. And he should get the start in both those games, 100%. The other big news item of the week, Jake Muzzin. He's been, obviously, he's been hurt for a while. We've been speculating for a while. But we actually got some news. He has a cervical spine injury that will need to be reevaluated come February. So I think it's safe to say I don't think he's coming back this year. I think it's 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 a pretty safe bet that his career is likely over. But I think it's I think it's almost a sure thing that he will not be back this year. I mean, I I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Number one, I, I feel awful for him. But this is the NHL world we live in, where someone who has an okay contract suffers a injury that puts them on that special list where money disappears. People start getting excited and they start talking about it. And I feel bad for the player, obviously. But there's a lot of savage Leaf fans out there who are looking at that money being available. It's, I wouldn't say savage. Not I think savage, but like, it's just, that's just a, like the Tampa Bay lightning just made this for everybody. Like, it's just, here's the fact that you take some money off your books for a guy who's not performing at his best or, and you put it somewhere else. And like, it's, it's, it's cap space. It's the most valuable thing you could have. Well, you're helping me lead into my point, which is I saw a lot of interesting fan debates. Like when this news came out, I saw a lot of interesting fan debates on Twitter this week about like how should they allocate that money? And it's been reported, you know, they would like to go and get another defenseman to add to their blue line. And at first, you know, it 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 makes sense. Because right away I go, oh yes, of course. Like Jake Muzzin's one of your top four. He's gone. Like you need to you need to fill that hole. But then I saw some people making a compelling argument towards why don't you go and try and get another forward? Because you know, this team is, is 25th in the league in even strength goals. 
They haven't exactly been a scoring powerhouse this year. They haven't been terrible, but they haven't exactly been a scoring powerhouse this year. And I'm like, oh, that kind of, you know what? I actually kind of like that. Like, you and I are, we don't mince words on this show about how we feel about Alex Kerfoot. I'm tired of watching Sheldon Keefe do everything he can to make Alex Kerfoot work in the top six. I've never seen a hockey player in my life who skates harder and tries harder and accomplishes absolutely nothing more than Alex Kerfoot can. Yeah. So I really like that idea. But, but, TJ Brody out with an uh, an oblique strain. Kind of like the similar injury that, uh, I don't know if it's exactly an oblique strain, but Sheldon Keefe said it was similar to the injury Tavares sustained in camp, which, which was an oblique strain. Yeah. And... Rasmus Sandin is really struggling. Like, like you saw the cough-up giveaway in Pittsburgh that led to the Sidney Crosby backhand goal. So you do kind of look back there and you go, maybe they do need to just go get, a, like, another another horse defenseman back there and not worry about adding more firepower up front and and look towards the, the big four who you've allocated all this money to to pull you out of it, who we're going to talk about in a few minutes. But your thoughts on where they should allocate this money? I just think it's too, like, fantasy hockey. I don't think you can decide what you want. Like, if you if there's an opportunity where you can go out and get a, the best player is, is a forward, then you, you go get a forward. And if the best player is a defenseman, you go get the defenseman. Like, I just don't think you can pick and choose in this. I think they need both. They need everything. They need better defense. They need better forwards. Whatever guy is available that you can get and is the best possible guy you can get, then go get that guy. So you're just saying, like, regardless, forward or defense, that's yeah. what you got to yeah. do. Yeah, I just, like, it's it's nice to sit here and be like, I think they should go out and get this guy, and they need a defenseman. But I just don't think, if you want to make your team better, I think they need both just as bad as they need the other. Like, I know they're not scoring as much, but, you know, they have a lot of guys who can score, and they, we all know their D isn't good enough. Like, I would love for them to go get... A, an impact defenseman, but who who is that? Who who is that guy? You can't just go out and get impact defenseman in the NHL. Well, like, the guy that gets difficult. the name that gets thrown around a lot and has been thrown around since last season is is Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, but what do you what do you what do you get? What well, are you and that's doing the thing you got You can't it's you just, can't like that's great that you have this cap space, but you're not just like cool. You have five and a half million dollars in cap space. Nothing to trade. Exactly. You it's like who, nothing. I mean, I mean to you could trade. look at you could look at uh, you could look at maybe Nick Robertson. He's who, the only guy you can trade. Yeah. But and and what's his value? I don't know. Like what's he's, his, he's got the best value out of anybody on their team. I think right now that you're willing to trade. It's just like this is all this all. I I love this conflict. Like, let's go ahead and get a forward. And it's just like. Okay, but I, I think, think this happens in every but, city with but every team. Do you team. not think that you could probably have an easier time going and getting a, a, a depth forward that you hope can contribute more on a nightly basis than a quote unquote impact defenseman? Yeah, of course. Like, like, like you look at like Jordy Ben, right? Jordy Ben has played two games. He's played really well in both of those games. But Jordy Ben is like a, a, a five six, right? So. You're essentially gonna go get another Jordy Ben. Yeah, so there's no point in doing that. Yes. So so do you look at it and go, okay, well then let's maybe see if we can go and get a forward who's worth three and a half million dollars, four million dollars, and hope that this person who we're bringing in is more impactful than Alex Kerfoot. Yeah, but like, 
I don't know if I fully trust the general manager to do that properly or, or go get the right guy or trade the right guy or make the right decision. Like, yeah. I, I just don't. It's it's very difficult to make a move. Like he doesn't do this guy doesn't make big splashes. Like he doesn't, like you know. Like I, I just I don't know. Like I think it's just gonna play out. Here's what I do know: injuries, more injuries are gonna happen, and you're gonna need more depth. So if you're looking at your defensive depth, and another guy goes down, then you might need to go get another Jordy Ben to to re up the depth, so you're not playing some guy in the Marlies who's not even close to being ready to play in the NHL, but. Like it's just there's so many different scenarios. It's just like every like even with the even with the Jays, like let's go get a left-handed bat and with the Leafs, let's go get a forward. It's just it sounds nice on paper. And if we turned on NHL twenty two right now, we could probably come up with a nice little deal in our in our fantasy league. But this is the NHL and it's not that easy to just go out and get an impact forward, an impact defenseman in, in November or December. Like it's just it I just don't think that happens. But if you look at them, if you look at them right now, they're as of this recording, they're twenty third in the league in even strength goals, and they're ninth in the league in goals allowed. So it's like I think sometimes we project that they're they're worse defensively than they actually are, because you see things like Justin Hull being a tire fire and Rasmus Sandin coughing it up the middle to Sidney Crosby. When I think about them adding a, a impact forward or forward that's going to help them out, I think of a guy who's going to come in and help contribute to the even strength goals and, and up boost their offense this season. But when I think about them going to get a defenseman, I think about like, when I think about the type of defenseman I want. That's the type of defenseman that I think is going to help them win around. Like you know, it's just like it, it's two different things to me. Like it's just, but I I don't think they have the assets. No, they don't have they, yeah, exactly. they do not have the, they cannot trade another first round pick. No. Nick Robertson's only worth as much as Nick they Robertson's don't wanna, worth. They don't want to they don't want to trade I hate to say it. That guy has done absolutely nothing since he scored two well, that's goals. That's what I mean. His his, Dallas, his value. He's done absolutely nothing. He looks small. He he's like I don't know. Like it's just I don't know what Dude, you do. It's a, it's a real pickle because like I would like to sit right now and I'm not going to eat an entire bowl of crow, but I'm going to eat a a a couple of bites of crow because I think since he's been cast in a fourth line role, Dennis Malgin has played pretty well. And part of the issue with Dennis Malgin is they kept trying to jam him into that second line left winger spot and that's just he's just not good enough to play there. With those guys. And it was also Dennis Malgan realizing that he got to work a little bit harder in, in the NHL. Right, to, to right. To stay in a lineup. But he's it, but good for him, though. I yeah. think he's played really well on the fourth line. Yeah. And so I look at that, and I'm kind of like, is the guy you're going to go get, like, does he does this guy have enough upside to play on that second line left wing? Like, Mike Bunting, even though you can make the argument that he hasn't been nearly as good this year as he was last year, Mike Bunting is a guy who you brought in at 900,000 and he plays like a first line winger. Not everyone is like that. Yeah. Dennis Malgan is not like that. He's he's perfectly suited on the fourth line. It's hard, man. It's a conundrum. Like these uh, it makes my these head guys spin thinking about this. 100%. These and the moral of the story is these guys don't grow on trees. Like you can't just go and and, and there's no one guy right now. No, there's no that you're like and and we were talking about this uh, earlier where it's like 
there's so much parity throughout the league, right? That like guys aren't just going to part with good hockey players. Like if you're, if you want to go get an impact forward or an impact defenseman, so God, odds are, let's just say you want an impact forward. You're going to go talk to a team who probably has a surplus of them, right? Guys that they feel they can part with, not a surplus, but guys that they feel they can part with. Or a team that's up against the cap and yes. probably can't re-sign a guy next season, yes. so they got to move them. Like that's... And so what What do they want back in return? A defenseman? Yeah. Something uh, they don't have. First, yeah. Something so they it's, don't have. And, and who? So then which, who? Which just, li- but that's my original point, just limits everything. And there, there's just a limitation on this type of thing. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's just, I, I can't, I, maybe I need to sit down and brainstorm, put myself in the GM room and look around the league and look possibly teams you could take advantage of uh, that are up against the cap. I need to move somebody, but I just don't know if Dubas has it in him to like make a, make a big splash or, or anything like that. I think you're just going to see another depth guy like it's just and that's all you can really do like i i don't know i i just don't see them make like who are you gonna go get i don't know like, i just i don't want i hate talking about it because it's like it sounds like such a good idea on paper but they're thinking about it it's like they, they're just screwed man like they've their big acquisitions over the past couple of years have been guys they've traded first round picks for at the deadline and none of them have worked out so there goes all that all like now you literally can't trade a first round pick because you've traded a bunch and it just hasn't worked out. So it's just well the you, and they got nothing to trade. Really. Well, no, that's not true. They they could they could part again with a with a first round pick, which further setbacks the depth of, the depth of the organization or Matthew Nice because any proposed Leaf deal in the last year that any rumor you've heard Kyle Dubas talking to anybody. Whoever it was, they're always Matthew Nyes is always in that team's I don't trust Kyle Dubas to trade Matthew Nyes. I know nothing about Matthew Nyes. All I know is he's he's a bigger dude who, who can play physical hockey, which in and everybody's brain that yes. sounds phenomenal. Why yes. would you ever want to get rid of that? But like talking about the guy who traded Mason Marchman for Dennis Malgan, I know we just talked about how good he was, but like you traded away the type of player that your team like. It's just I I don't trust him to make that deal. I don't know if he. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I trust him to make that deal. I don't. I want to I wanna lay... We're going to move on from this now. Like, this is not going to be the last that we talk about this. I don't think they're making a deal anytime soon. No. I think, no. I think it'll be as we get closer to the trade deadline, so it'll be an ongoing discussion, so we don't need to sit here and beat it into the, breath, right, beat it into the ground right now. What I do want to say is, first of all, I want to give Sheldon Keefe a round of applause. He finally did it. He split up Matthews and Marner, and he put Marner back with Tavares, and he put Nylander up with Matthews. They're both, I think it bo- the, both combos look good. Here's my hot take. I think Mitch Marner is able to elevate John Tavares to a, a much more elite level than he is Austin Matthews, because Austin Matthews is already an elite hockey player. Yeah. And I think it makes their, it adds how many times last year, this year it, it, it hasn't, that hasn't been the case because William Nylander has been so good. But how many times last year did we say second line's not producing, second line's not producing, second line's not producing. And John Tavares had a career season with Mitch Marner on his wing when he first got here. Yeah, 40 goals. So, what I'm this is a very long-winded way of saying 
I think John Tavares elevates Mitch Marner. I mean, Mitch Marner elevates John Tavares so much that I think it's, it, you, you got to leave that. It, it makes them more of a two line threat than Nylander and um, Tavares do and Matthews and Marner. And listen, situationally in games, you can always go back yeah, to it. Yeah, There's no reason why that. you can't throw Marner and Matthews out there on a shift here and there. But I just think, like, you see it in the Pittsburgh game. It's like Tavares gets a goal. Marner gets a goal. They just, those two guys have chemistry. A huge part of the selling uh, pitch of getting Tavares to come here was telling him he was going to play with Mitch Marner. I just think he elevates he elevates Tavares' game so much. you got to ride this out for a little bit of time and see if it can be sustained. And listen, Anyone who's watching this and going, oh, but Austin Matthews, like this is elite. Listen, Austin Matthews, a heart trophy winner. Okay. He shouldn't need Mitch Marner to drive a line in this league. Straight up. He shouldn't need him. He should be just fine without him. Yeah. That's my hot take. Yeah, I agree. I I, I don't think that's really that hot of a take. It's, I think it, the it's Matthews pretty, portion pretty, is that hot of a take. I think it's pretty obvious that John Tavares has more success putting the puck in the net even strength with Mitch Marner on his line. Like that's just, that's just a fact. But like, I mean, I will say though, that I don't think Nylander and Matthews have the best chemistry. And I think that maybe Nylander almost doesn't have the best chemistry with other top players because he's a guy who has to have the puck all the time. He's always skating through the neutral zone. He always, he's always has possession, which is great. And I, I just don't think Nylander has great chemistry with Matthews, but I mean, it's just a, to me, it's a fluid situation. Like just do, do ride the hot hand, like just do whatever's working. Like just let's not be married to any idea here. If, if these combina if these combinations go out and suck the next three games and just go back to the way it was hundred like, percent, like, these four guys need to be overthought. Or yes. Anything. These four guys need to be interchangeable. Like yeah. this, like this whole, like Matthews and Marner are together no matter what. I hope the fact that he split them up now, it, this is a sign of, okay, we're not doing that anymore. Like it might be these two one game, these two the next. It might be switch from period. All four of these guys are good enough yeah. that they can adapt. I don't yeah. want to hear any chemistry arguments. I think when you get start getting down in the, into the depth lines, the third line, the fourth line, guys who are playing specific roles. Okay, sure. They need time to gel, get together, come up with some sort of chemistry. But when you're dealing with four elite guys like this, they should be able to go out there and play well regardless. Yeah. Sorry. No, I totally agree. Couldn't have said it better myself. I got nothing to add okay, to that. Okay, well, there you go. You got Absolutely nothing, to add, to, nothing to add to that. I totally agree with everything you just said. And anything I say after that is just me repeating everything you just said. 100%. All right, so we're going to get out of here because that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the like, Leafs are winning, so it's boring. Yeah, the Leafs are winning, so it's boring. And yeah. But that's good. Like, not that we're complaining. I mean, we can all be happy. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm having a great not time. That, not that we're complaining, but it's like you don't want to stay here and beat a dead horse. You want to yeah. come on and you want to say they're winning. They're playing well. Let's. Uh, the key thing to watch is definitely how Matt Murray progresses coming back from his injury. Yep. Are you worried here? L last thing, and then we'll get out of here. Are you worried about Rasmus Sandin at all? Because he no. he's really struggling. I don't think he's struggling necessarily. I just think he's he's had a a bad case of the yips, and and, and unfortunately for him, when he has them, the puck has gone in the net. Mm -hmm. The puck doesn't go in the net during those yips, then it's not as noticeable, but he's just had a couple bad, just like he goes to throw a pass and he whiffs on it and somebody picks up the puck, puts it in the net, which is like, it's just, it, it's a glaring mistake. I don't think he's been awful necessarily, but he's just, I don't know. It's just growing pains for the guy. Really. It's just 
really his first, like, you're in the lineup every single night year in the NHL. Yep. So he, that, that's going to happen to him. I'll leave you with this. I can't remember the last time I said this. I'm looking forward to this Saturday night hockey night in Canada game against the Buffalo Sabres. Yeah, they've kind of come down to earth a little bit. But, 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 but we know what always play the Leafs tough. Always. Mm -hmm. It's Saturday night. I think, I think it's a good, it's a good matchup for them. Good test. The Devils are not bad. No, either. the Devils are not not bad at all. They play the Devils. Devils the they've New got Jersey the Devils, Devils twice. Or... They've got the Devils twice in the next week or so. They ain't too freaking bad, aren't they? No, like they got. Yeah, they got they got the Devils on on Thursday night. They got the Sabers on Saturday. They got the Islanders on Monday, mm-hmm. and they got the Devils again next Wednesday. Let's go. Look at the Islanders, eleven and six. Yeah, they're not bad. Not bad. Well, they got Elias Sorokin. Yeah, they went and got a goaltender. They sure did. Makes things better for sure. It sure does. All right, we're going to get out of here, everybody. Thanks so much for checking us out. If you like what you see, hit that like and subscribe button below. Spread the word. Tell your friends. We really appreciate it. As always, same thing if you're listening to the audio version. Leave the comments as well. Love the comments. Even if you want to rip us, we love that too. We'll see you guys next time. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. This is Charles Adler. After a few years of working on radio and television, The Charles Adler Show has evolved to a natural place in 2023. YouTube, podcast, and open RSS. You'll hear the show as it always has been delivered, concise, with context, clarity, and empathy. And as a bonus, the guests will be natural-born storytellers who won't fear telling stories that are personal and emotional. They won't fear uncomfortable questions. Most important, they won't fear me. Follow me on Twitter at Charles Antler and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts.